You're listening to the Protecting Your Practice podcast with your hosts, Attorney Dan Mayer and Licensed Counselor Melissa Westner. Dan is not your attorney and Melissa is not your therapist, but they're here to help you cross your T's and dot your I's as they talk about all the things you wish you had learned in grad school. And now, here are your hosts. Hi there and welcome back. Today, Dan and I are super excited to be talking with Nzinga Ma'at. Nzinga is the owner of Ma'at Therapeutic Services in Philadelphia. Welcome. Thank you for coming. So just a little bit about uh, Nzinga and Ma'at. Um, So Ma'at Therapeutic Services is a holistic healing practice centered on helping people deepen the connection between their mind, body, and spirit and focus on healing the whole person, not only through talk therapy, but through a variety of options for body work and self-care. It specializes in work with people who have experienced anxiety, depression, and various forms of trauma. And Zynga has been working in the mental health uh, field for over 18 years. As a licensed professional counselor and behavior specialist consultant, uh, Nzinga specializes in behavior modification with children and provides parenting solutions to improve family relations uh, throughout much of her career. She also has a passion for working with adults who want to find a balance in many of the roles they function in, as well as assisting them on their journey to heal from past trauma. She is currently partner. She currently partners with dynamic uh, practitioners to incorporate various alternative methods of healing into the therapeutic process, including yoga, acupuncture, uh, reiki, um, vegan, vegan, sorry, vegan health co- uh, coaching, massage, and personal training. And she's actually also a certified yoga instructor. Um, and she enjoys adding the bodywork portion to her treatment plan when she works with people. So that's quite a mouthful, but that's a lot. You do, you, you want to keep yourself busy. <laughs> Absolutely. I definitely do. <laughs> yes. Well, welcome. We are really glad that you're here with us today. Um, and we're really glad that you offered to share about a very unique experience that you've had. Yes. Um, so you've had something come your way that I'm imagining might not even come on people's radar. Um, And you had mentioned, well, I'm going to let you tell your story. Tell us about what happened. I don't even want to mess up any of the details. Tell us what's been going on your way. Okay. So as mentioned, I am a group practice owner and I have four clinicians. Well, I just hired another one, five clinicians now. And I, contracted with several insurance companies and the biller in my practice, we started noticing that with one of the commercial insurance companies, we had not received payment. I think we started to notice back in February and um, we started to notice, I think, and it might've been the, the end of January, beginning of February, that we hadn't received payments from one insurance company since December twenty. 21. And that was a little bit odd for us. So we reached out to the insurance company to find out what was going on with the checks. My biller had issued stop payment on all of the checks that they said they had sent us Mm -hmm. and asked them to reissue them. We had not received any reissued payments. So we were trying to figure out what was going on with all of these um, missed missed checks from back in December, 2021. She would contact them probably once a week, just trying to figure out what was going on and why we weren't receiving the money. And I think in 
mid-February, maybe we were alerted that a direct deposit had been set up and that these payments were going into a direct deposit. And, oh no, let me back up. In February, once we realized that we were not receiving the payments, we went and set up a direct deposit utilizing my bank account, uh, my business account. And we um, we called the, the company they used to set up direct deposit and we set up the direct deposit on February 4th. Didn't receive any payments. Um, they said, okay, it should take a couple of weeks for it to get started. So mid-February, we're still trying to figure out why we hadn't received any payments. And that's when we called and they said, oh, there's a direct deposit set up with Wells Fargo Bank. And, um, you know, all of the payments are going there. And I don't bank with Wells Fargo. So I was trying to figure out how all these payments, and they gave us a list. They said, yeah, there have been payments, all the payments since December 21st, 2021. Well, you know, I think it was February 14th or so that, that they let us know all of these checks were going into a Wells Fargo account. So my biller is on the phone with the insurance company and she's texting me like, do you have a Wells Fargo account? And I was like, no. And she's like, well, they have a direct deposit set up that all these checks are going to. So they gave us the last five digits of the account number. Um, my office is not too far from a Wells Fargo. So I think either later that day or the next day, I went into Wells Fargo and I said, you know, I'm trying to figure out there was a direct deposit set up with my business account information. They said it was set up under my therapeutic services. So I went in trying to figure out how, um, how a direct deposit could be set up in my practice's name without, you know, my information and, and just how that happened. So I go into the bank, I give them, I said, this, this is only information I have is the last five digits of this account number. And the, the ladies at the bank were pretty helpful, but there was no real information they could provide me because I didn't have the full account number. And even if I did have the full account number, if my name wasn't listed, because they'd said they didn't, they looked up, did a search, there was no account under Ma'at Therapeutic Services. There was no account under Enzinga Ma'at. So now I'm really confused, trying to figure out where is my money going? What, what is this, you know, random Wells Fargo account that my money is going mm-hmm. into? And mm-hmm. um, what I need to do. So I leave the bank, I'm calling, and we are calling the insurance company um, probably twice a week at this point. And each time we would get different and varying information. None of it was um, what we later found accurate, but they would all say, well, you know, it's going into this account. So then I finally spoke with someone and I believe it was um, at the end of February, maybe around the the 26th or so, somewhere in that, that week, the last week of February, I spoke with someone and I explained the entire situation. So I had, let me back up. I had to, it was the weirdest situation. I had to call to get some kind of investigation started. When you, when you call the insurance company, there's no person that really tells you which, which department you're supposed to go through. So they kept sending me back to claims and they were sent, they sent me just all around. So I called their corporate office. When I finally got through their corporate office, they, um, they gave me some other, it was just, I was pretty much just led in a bunch of different directions. And, um, but I finally did get to someone who said, okay, I'm going to patch you through to someone. And it was, it was the most cryptic message that it was, I can't even describe what it was. So the gentleman gets on and he said, um, hi, do you wish to file a complaint? 
And I said, I believe so. Can I tell you kind of what's going on? I don't know who I'm filing a complaint against. Do I? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And so I said, he said, well, what's the name of the company? And I'm like, my company? Or I said, the company I'm filing a complaint against? He said, I can't give you any of that information. And I was like, well, my company is my therapeutic services. This is the insurance company. I don't know if I'm filing a complaint. Can I just share with you? And like every step of the way, he would ask me a question. And when I was trying to, I'm like, well, I'm not sure. Um, am, am I, should I file a complaint? He's like, well, I can't give you that information. So everything that I said, he just kept saying, I can't, I can't tell you that. You can just let me know. So, so it finally got to the end of this cryptic message. And I just said, yes, I want to file a complaint. Oh I my goodness. <laughs> I don't know who I'm filing it against, but I'm complaining because I haven't got a check since, since, you know, uh, December. Yes. Let's file this complaint. So I start giving him this information and he's asking me for specifics about who I spoke with. Um, and I'm like, I, my biller is the one that spoke with the, the people from Aetna. So I don't know, you know, who, whoever, like, I don't know. So I didn't have names. He's like, well, if you can get any names later, you know, just give me a call back. But it was like, the, it was just, I can't even describe how unusual the conversation was because it was very cryptic. And um, it later took me to, someone had reached out to me who was from a third party company who um, helped with complaints in relation to the insurance company and another um, larger business. So I spoke with him. I told him the entire story and he said, okay, it's going to take me a few weeks to, to figure this out. And I was a little confused on why it would take a few weeks because I was like, well, they have the account number and they, it's listed under my information. Why can't we just go see who the account belongs to? And go figure out how they're getting my money into a Wells Fargo account. To me, it seemed pretty streamlined, but you know, I don't understand the processes, I guess. So we started that process back in mid-February, I think, and it continued on. I I um, didn't hear back from him for a few weeks and I kept calling and trying to figure out, you know, what was going on. So then that's when I... I think at the end of February, I'm getting the dates mixed up, but it was end of February, beginning of March when I reached back out to Aetna and I went through the different, um, let me speak to the claims department. Let me speak to this department, went through all of that. And I finally spoke with someone and I said, you know, I'm in Zingamot from Ott Therapeutic Services. Can you give me the account number that this is going to? So I got the full account number now. And um, they said, yeah, it's going under your name. So then I call Wells Fargo back with the full account number, but they said, yeah, we, that account number is here, but we can't give you any information because your name is not the one listed on the account. So at this point, I'm ready to pull my hair out because I can't figure out who has my money, um, why I don't have it. Um, I have, like I said, four clinicians at the time that I had to pay and the money is just, you know in some Wells Fargo account. So I had sent a letter to the insurance company and I explained to them that electronic funds transfer was made without my knowledge under a Wells Fargo account. And it's been collecting my funds since December 21st. I enrolled in electronic funds transfer on February 4th. And they say it's still being processed. Um, I would like to confirm that I don't have a Wells Fargo account. And that this appears to be fraudulent. I listed all of the payments. There were, uh, I think, somewhere between 12 to 13 checks that had been going to this account. And I explained to them what bank I bank with. 
and that, you know, I wanted to get this rectified and that until it's rectified, I would like to receive paper checks at my office address. And um, if they could, you know, go back and reissue checks from back in December, you know, that would be greatly appreciated. So that was sent February 16th. Didn't hear anything back. Then finally, I get a call. I want to say it was like March, March 4th or so. I get a call from a woman who is with the compliance department. And this is the this is the less dramatic conclusion to this entire story. What she said was the money is in a Wells Fargo account. It is not a fraudulent account. It is an account that the insurance company owns. And I'm trying to figure out why is my money going into this account <laughs> to me? So what she said, and this was the this was the the unique part. What she said was that on the EOBs, the explanation of benefits, it had there had been a little blurb about how this insurance company was moving to um, all electronic payments. So you would have to fill out um, a direct deposit. Or you would, if you didn't fill it out by a specific date, um, you could, and they said that it, it was very nonspecific to, that this was going to have, they said you could potentially receive virtual um, credit cards. So what they were saying was that apparently I missed a deadline for direct deposit to be set up. So I started receiving supposedly virtual credit card payments. And those virtual credit card payments were supposedly sent to my business address. And when I spoke to this woman, I explained to her that there were several problems with that statement, several problems. One, and she even acknowledged that, you know, that what's on the explanation of benefits, most people aren't reading it because it's usually the same thing every time. So there's, if they're putting, I said, you know, if there's any information that's pertinent, something that there's going to be a change and how people are compensated, you should probably utilize a different method to reach out to people, not just putting a little uh, a, a note on it that said, and I, I meant to bring one up here to read what it said, because I finally went back and I had to find an EOB and see what it said. And it, but it was, like I said, not very specific. It was like, you could, you know, if you don't sign up by this time, this could happen. You could receive these payments, but it didn't say like, definitively, this was this is what's going to happen. So I explained to her, that one, that communication was was pretty poor. Two, I had spoken with, and my biller had spoken with, so many different Aetna representatives, and no one provided us with that information that that's what was going on. Everyone said, oh yeah, it's going in this Wells Fargo account. So the lack of communication within the insurance company was um, is, is just mind-blowing that the the representatives that actually speak to the people are not aware of the changes that are being made. And the woman said, well, you know, that is concerning. Can you give me the names and dates? So we went through and I, and the fact that she wanted the names and the dates of people that we spoke with and, you know, wanted to, oh, they were trained, but I'm like, obviously if everyone we spoke with didn't have this information, that there's been some lack of communication on the, on the higher ups part. That's not, you know, and it obviously is going to trickle down to the people who are the representatives speaking to everyone. But there was, that information was not communicated. And the third and major problem 
was that from December until March, when this was, you know, beginning to be rectified, I had not received a single virtual credit card payment. And this and is for one year, correct? Well, no, this is from December, 2021 mm-hmm. to March, 20, um, 2022. So it's really a quarter. It's one quarter, essentially. Yeah, it's essentially, yeah. I had not, yes, no, no payments during that entire time. And she said, she asked for my address. I said, that's the correct address. She said, well, it doesn't really look like a credit card. It looks like, a, listen, anything that has my business name on it, I'm going to open it. I'm going to look at it and I would read it and see, oh, this is a virtual credit card. That's unusual. I wonder why I got that. And then that would be able to be taken care of. I have, I have not received, and still to this day, did never, I never received a virtual credit card payment. So after I spoke with her, she said, well, what I'll do, um, told, turned out there were 13 checks from December into to the end of February that they had to reissue. She said, I'll reissue you paper checks until um, the direct deposit is set up. The direct deposit was a whole other issue because we've set it up three different times. We set it up in February and they said it was still pending. The communication, you know, there was supposedly an issue where we didn't send a picture of the back of the voided check that was never communicated to us. And it's nowhere. They said, well, you can log in and see it. You can't. There's nowhere to see. It just says processing. So there's so much information that is not being communicated um, from the insurance company, from the other companies they utilize for direct deposits. So we finally were issued the 13 checks and um, ironically just got the, I just received an email from them that the direct deposit was set up and will go into effect April 4th. So this has been going on from February to March to April. It took us all the time to get the direct deposit set up because the communication is very poor, but yeah, it's it's been an entire mess and there's been so many communication issues that um I guess for me like I just I read the EOBs, you know, and again, my, you know, my biller might look at them, uh, my assistant might look at them like we're we're trying to, you know, run a business and and get through the like depositing checks and all the stuff as fast as we can. So we might not necessarily read those. Oh, and they told me that I was in the first group of people there. Um, I was in like the pilot group Ooh. of people who are going to be set up on these virtual credit cards. So I was like, oh, great for me that, you know, I was a part of the pilot, but I think even just sharing this information will let other people know as they're ushering in this new, you know, system with this, this um, insurance company that, you know, check the EOBs, set up your direct deposit, make sure that, that make sure that you're paying attention to the checks that are coming in or not coming in. So that, you know, you have um, just a a clearer picture of what's going on. How much time did all this take total, would you say? Oh, my. I can't even count the hours, but I it was between me, my assistant and my biller. This was going on at least three times, three times a week where we were on the phone. And the average call was 45 minutes to to an hour because they kept transferring us to different, like nobody knew who we were supposed to be talking to. It took a lot of time. And me as the business owner, I really don't have a lot of time to devote to these things that I feel like should be, should be taken. And my assistant is extremely busy and my biller works, you know, with a variety of other companies. So we all are pitching in trying to, you know, 
fill in the times it could, but it, I can't even quantify how many hours this All right. spent on this. And let me ask you another question. Yes. The money that you got from the insurance company, so it's 13 checks. Yes. Is that less or more <laughs> in terms of the monetary time that was spent? <laughs> Yeah, and, and you know, I don't mean exactly, yes. here, but like in your mind, right. like, do you think it was? You think you still came out on the the plus side here, or do you think you're in a negative well, time wise? So the, the the challenge with answering that is, I think it would always be a negative because yeah, I had to a lot of that. You know, my clinicians had to be paid, mind you. Right, I, I have my company Correct, set up. Yeah. Like, long story um, <laughs> about how it's set up, but I pay them regardless of whether I receive the checks or not. Sure. So my business, you know. That I can watch the 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 amount that I have in my account just completely dwindle down each month. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I would say it's definitely a negative because mm-hmm. you know all that money had a lot of that money had to go to the clinicians yeah. uh, and had to go through everything. Like I, you know, I didn't pay myself at all in relation to clients I saw um, for that insurance company until I saw that money. So I definitely, you know, was mm-hmm. at a deficit. So. Yeah. And my brain is like spinning, even, you know, thinking about all of the phone calls or even going to the bank, which is one of my least favorite tasks. Right. And I'm thinking about you going to the bank to try to figure this out and you can't get information. I had Um, to arrange clients in order to be go in order to be able to go into the bank during business hours. I had to like beg my client, can we meet it later? Can we meet, you know, do you, can we meet tomorrow? Because I need to take care of this, you know, and they were really, you know, understanding, but still, you know, I had to rearrange my life in order to, to take care of what feels like someone else's job. It feels like with this insurance company that there should have been better communication amongst their employees so that we didn't have to go through this. This could have been solved in one conversation yes. with a representative from the insurance. Sure. Company. Of course. But if they were insurance, you're doing insurance. Oh, can I tell you? Now, I literally was going, if I didn't have so many clients who I know, you know, need to use their insurance and I know it that it would impact so, my, my clinicians, I would have stopped taking this, the insurance. This is a question I was going to ask you. Yeah. Hold that thought. Okay. I just want to say one thing, which is that what I, I the one thing I did notice from your story, mm-hmm. there was a very important point. And I'm not sure if you picked up on the point, the ultimate all over picked or not, but there's something you did that I think is a very important message to practitioners here. Mm-hmm. And that is that you are your own best advocate. Oh, yes. But where a lot of practitioners fail is when something like this comes up, they they throw up their hands, they pull their hair out because they have no idea how to figure it out. And of course, I mean, right. how do you figure something like this? I'm sitting here and I'm like, good God, like if I were to be asked by a client to help them figure this out, like I'd probably be pulling my hair out trying to figure all this out. But the point is it got resolved because you're your own best advocate. And there is a degree when you when you are the owner of a business, or owner of a practice, you know, that advocacy at the end of the day, you know, that is that is your job as a practice owner is to, to be your advocate. Even yeah. you have someone else doing it, like turning your account, whatever it is. And so I think that's a really important thing you did. Um, and I don't want to minimize that. But that my so as to my point, that was gonna be my question was, <laughs> you know, I talked to a lot of practitioners and you know, I won't say like 50% or 60% of them, but I would say good portion of them who, you know, take insurance, there's been a select percentage of that group that has made the move away from insurance for, because they're like, this is it. I'm done. I'm out. This is not worth it to me. I'm not making as much money as I could be out of network, out of my, um, you know, out of pay, out of pocket. And they do it. And I hear a story like yours and I have to wonder, like, you know, 
it just to me speaks volumes about the overall state of insurance and the medical system, the healthcare Absolutely. system in this country. <laughs> not to get a political, I'm not getting political here, but no. just like, man, like that's crazy. And you know, I'll say two things. One, um, as far as me being um my best advocate, I am nothing if not persistent. Um, that, that's right. one thing. Well, you wouldn't have gotten where you were, you wouldn't have got this at all if you had not been persistent. Absolutely. So that I definitely, I'm like, you know, I'm a pit bull lover and I do not stereotype them, but in this situation, I'm going to use that as a pit bull. I'm like a pit bull where, you know, I have a strong jaw and I'm going to lock on until, you know, until I choose to let go. So uh, <laughs> that's definitely me. I'll say this as far as insurance, to be honest, I have had issues with every insurance company that I take and I only take three. But I've had I've had pretty major issues with insurance companies, whether it be <laughs> the the lowballing. I had an issue where I've been with this insurance company since 2017 when I first went into private practice, and clinicians that I just hired were making more and being mm-hmm. reimbursed more than me as the practice owner. And I was like, hold on, there's a problem here. What do we? And I had to go through great lengths to get my rate to where their rate was. And then they were like, okay, we'll do that, but we're not going to do it for 60 days, you know? And it's like, wait, what? So, I mean, I've had that issue. I've had issues with, you know, just the amount of time it takes from when you provide the service to when you, to actually receive compensation. And then I've had this issue, which is like just the, this is the pinnacle. Like, this is just, you know, the, I haven't had any other issues this ridiculous. And so all of those things compiled together have made me um, really want to leave, you know, insurance companies and just do private pay. The the challenge with that, that I foresee right now, and and I can, you know, speculate about what it would look like in the future. But for right now, the challenge I see is that, you know, a large percentage of our population that we service is, they all take insurance. And also the population that we service. I live in Philadelphia. Um, primarily, I work with um, Black and brown people. Mm-hmm. And um, what I have found, and this is just from surveying these clients that, you know, if, I, if they didn't take insurance, they wouldn't be able to afford yeah. service. It's and so I am, it really is. And it's something that it's, it's so important to me and important to, you know, to who I am as a person and who I am as a clinician that, you know, I kind of feel like, and, and it's not to say that I wouldn't be able to, to work with this exact same population. I just don't feel like I'd be able to service as large a group. So that's you know, the challenge for me. It's interesting because one of the things you're touching on that we're touching on here is actually the aspect of mental health parity. Mm-hmm. And actually it's very timely because right now the Senate has, ju- the, the United States Senate has just moved on a parity law, mental health okay. parity um, legislation. I think back in like 2009 or 2010 or something like that, there was a law passed that required mental health parity that none of the insurance companies are following. Um, and my mm-hmm. understanding is the Senate has just passed legislation. I don't know what's going to happen, you know, if it gets over the house, but the point is that it's just passed legislation to force insurance companies to start abiding by the mental health parity, which means that, you know, just like if you go to the doctor because you need, you know, your medical insurance to cover because you need to have you know, surgery, or you need to have, you know, something, you know, uh, some sort of um, test taken or whatever it is, Um, whatever it is that you need to have done from a mental health perspective should be covered as well. And that's part of the issue is that, that I see that that you were just mentioned is that 
you know, the move to buy practices to go out of pocket, it's fine. Every practice has an, is entitled to do that. I certainly understand the monetary side of that. The problem is that we already in this country already have a extreme lack of services, enough services right. for mental health. Mental health is underfunded. It's understaffed. There's not enough resources to go around. And as you mentioned, there is there's vast sections of the population for whom insurance is the only ability they have to get treatment when it's, when it's needed. Right. So it's a huge problem. And so it's interesting to hear your story because I think you hit on the head that persistence that's the only way oftentimes that you can get something like that, like your situation fixed in this case is just by being persistent, but it shouldn't be that way. Right. right? And it's crazy to, to hear you tell your story. That's just bonkers. Yes, it is. <laughs> now, it's crazy to have lived the story. I'm not even like, it's, I'm like, wow, that really happened. Like this is, this is ridiculous. <laughs> now I'm wondering, cause when we spoke about a month ago, you yes. were like, someone fraudulently opened up yes. an account and has exactly. taken my money. Exactly, right? which is what I what I thought. And so even up until that point, right, you had been doing a lot of work to try to get this clarified. Right. Um, and so I'm wondering, for someone who might actually be, <laughs> find themselves in a situation where they're thinking the same thing, right. uh, or maybe that is the case, is there anything that you've learned to do in this process in order to get it resolved. I mean, obviously you made it like a trillion phone calls. Absolutely. You work together as a team at your office. Is there anything else that you have learned that other people who find themselves in a similar situation might be able to do that might be helpful? Yeah, sure. Um, I think for me, the, the, what I would say is don't stop until you get the answers you want. I was not going to stop until someone explained to me how these accounts, um, and mind you, the, the five, the last five digits of the account that I was given were completely different than the full account number that I was given. So I don't know what that's about with um, the insurance company and, and Wells Fargo. I don't know. But I, was, I wasn't going to settle for those last five digits. Um, that was not what I needed. And it didn't get me the answers that I needed. So I would just say that that persistence definitely pays off in making sure that you do not stop your process until you get the end result that you're looking for. Was there any point where, especially when you still thought it was fraud, yes. was there any point where you thought to yourself, man, I might need to get outside help, whether it's an attorney or you know, whether you need to contact the state's consumer protection or insurance um, department, you know, and all states have them. You know, was there, did you, was, did you ever consider that? Was there ever a point where you thought, you know, you might need to do that or considered that, but. Oh, absolutely. You know, the, the ironic thing is the week that I received the call from the woman who was from the compliance department, I, I had um, reached out to get numbers for um, a specific um, employment lawyer. Mm -hmm. And um, I was, that's where I was going. I was like, I need to get a lawyer involved because I know that some things will be out of my scope and I'm going to continue to push until until I've reached a, a wall where I know that now I'm going to need someone to help me get over that wall. But I literally that week was going to mm -hmm. reach out to a lawyer and she called and resolved it. And she left me a message and said, just, just so you know, this isn't fraudulent. Um, and she said, give me a call and I'll you know, kind of explain everything that's going on. But no, I, absolutely. I, I was so... I was so confused on how any of this could have happened. And honestly, I literally, when I thought it was fraudulent, I thought that it was an, an employee of the 
insurance company. Sure. Because I was like, there's no way that someone could have access to any of my, you know, direct deposit or, or no way they could or have it could have been someone in your, in your, in your company. I mean, well, I didn't think that because yeah. what I'll tell you, why I didn't think that I have, I have close relationships with the two people that have any information related mm-hmm. to my aunt therapeutic services. Mm-hmm. And I know how to ask certain questions to yeah. pull answers out that, you know, and, and see people's response when they're like, wait, mm-hmm. what, you know? No. And then when my biller yeah. sent me a message asking me if I had a Wells Fargo account, I was like, okay, she, did, she obviously you know, wouldn't be asking that. But, but again, I asked the right but question. You, but you thought that, right? That was when you were first starting investigating, you're like, okay, I got to look into this to see, to make sure it's not someone in my, in my company, I'm assuming, right? Kind of checks and balances, but I didn't really think, I knew that there okay. was really no way that that could happen. I mean, I, listen, let's be honest. I was questioning my husband for one second and not yeah, yeah, literally, yeah. Yeah. but right. when she said Wells Fargo, I was sure. like, my husband has a Wells Fargo account. Mm-hmm. He's like, babe, you didn't set up direct deposit. And he was like, no. And I was like, all right. You know, but it wasn't like I really thought yeah. he did. I'm yeah. just, again, checking every. Um, I, I only ask because to Melissa's point, right? I think that if someone is in that shoes where they're looking and yeah. they don't know what happened, I think that is a natural inclination to say, okay, I got to look internally and I got to look externally. I think in right. some ways, right. I mean, I thought, in some ways, I think you absolutely dodged the bullet here because had you had to hire an attorney, then on top of it, now you're compounding the cost to you. Because exactly. the, whatever time that, that attorney would have spent would have also cost you, exactly. in addition to you not paying yourself, in addition to the practice not getting its money, in addition to all the time you have to take to do this, that you weren't doing other stuff for the practice. Right. Well, I am thankful for that. Yeah, because you needed that resolved in order to continue serving the clients that you were serving. The alternative is we're not going to be able to offer this service for this particular insurance plan. Right. And, and that was the one thing that I didn't do. Like I, I allowed my clinicians to continue to work with the clients from that insurance company. I continued to service my clients from that insurance mm-hmm. company and I continued to pay my clinicians. Um, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I did let them know, like, just, just want to make you aware of what's going on. Um, there's been no compensation, compensation since, um, since December. I am still going to pay you. But so I just started this other you see, I just got this contract um, providing therapy to some teachers and mm-hmm. um, part of the grant, the school pays for part of it. And the part of the other part is that the insurance company yeah. pays for it. And of course, it's the same insurance company that I was having these, these issues with. So I did uh. know, I said, <laughs> as far as these specific clients, the, the compensation will be put on hold until this is resolved. Fortunately, it hasn't had to be placed on hold, you know, for too long because they're just mm-hmm. starting to get working with them. But yeah, I, that was my main concern was I just took on this large initiative to provide therapy to an entire school and um, for, of the teachers. And of course they have this insurance company. And so I was okay. like, so let me ask you this. Yes. What are for you, what are takeaways from this? Like, so are there three or four things you can point to and say, look, what, here's what I'm doing now differently, or here's what I started doing to make sure something like this doesn't happen again. Are there things you can point to that change that cause you to change some of the way you're doing stuff? Has that happened at all? Um, I think, so one of the things that, that we're doing, um, me, let me see, my biller and my biller, my assistant and I are meeting weekly to discuss the EOBs, to discuss what's going on, to discuss any insurance issues so that, so that um, it can be caught a little sooner. You know, I think uh, an entire 
month and a half had went by where I was like, uh, I haven't received any, you know, checks from this insurance company. And, you know, I think just, just catching it a little bit sooner, making sure that we stay on top of the insurance companies. That that's one thing that we've done. The other thing is just, I read the EOBs a little bit more thoroughly. I ask that, you know, my assistant or Bill or whoever's looking at them, we just go through and make sure there's no additional information that they mm-hmm. um, put on there. I don't think I, I don't know if there's anything else that I have. Those are two good ones. To it. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I do think those are really two good ones. And I think those are applicable to all practice owners, right. honestly, because the two things you mentioned are, you know, when you get something in the mail, especially it's from an insurance company, you better make sure you're reading everything, including the fine print, right? That, you know, right. there are sometimes things that if you miss it, you know, it can cause a situation that's at the least undesirable, at the worst could be ca- catastrophic, you know, because yes. certainly in your case, you got this resolved and it was 13 payments, but had this been $50,000, $100,000, you know, or gone on for a year, it could have severely harmed your practice. Yeah, and the other thing I think you mentioned is that, you know, having a process in place, you know, having processes in place, I should say, you know, where, you know, you're constantly going back over stuff. You're constantly have this system set up. Everyone knows how it's supposed to work and how, what the procedure is supposed to be. So at the minute that something seems off, there's a process in place to immediately be triggered to address this. And that's often something that I, even I talk with clients about is yeah. one of the best ways of prevention is that you have a system in place because it's better to come from perspective of it hasn't happened yet. So let's have it in place. So it happens. We can respond appropriately. Then as you found out, something happens, right. And now I have to figure out how to undo it and then figure out a process to that. Yes. Yeah. So it definitely has happened, you know, just putting the checks and balances in place to, to make sure that we are um, just diligent about what, what's coming in, what's not coming in and staying on top of um, the insurance companies. That's the Mm -hmm. other thing. I think that a lot of times people become frustrated if they don't get the answer they want the first time or they call insurance companies and talking, I mean, sitting on hold, nobody wants to sit on hold. So a lot of times they won't even call because they don't want to, you know, sit on hold, listen to the ridiculous hold music for mm-hmm. 40 minutes. I did that. I did lots of that. And so I would say, you know, just sometimes you're going to have to just um, buckle down and sit on hold and, you know, rock out to the music for a little bit. So that you can, and and if you don't get the answer you want from the first person, then ask to speak to whoever is in charge, whoever is, you know, supervising so that you can get, I guess, more information. And and let's be clear. The worst part about the whole music is that usually it's like an hour or two or later that night you're at, you're doing whatever and it's in your head. That's the worst part, right? I've been like giving my son a bath and like, I'm like, like how many, I'm like, what is that tune? I'm like, oh, it's the whole music from earlier. Yes. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That whole music, it gets into your system. I just started. It's horrible. I turn it on and do a little dance, you know, I'm going to be here. Might as well enjoy it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I'm sure that there are a lot of people listening who can, you know, who can relate to the headaches of taking insurance. And really, I think, you know, the people in the community who want to use our insurance, I don't know that they realize really what a service it is, right? You know, um, providers are getting paid less when they take Mm -hmm. insurance. They are having to pay more money in order to take insurance, right? Your your biller 
you have to pay them, right? And and you only have a biller because you take insurance, right? That right. delay in reimbursement. And I hear that being of service in that way is really important to you and your practice. And you've had to do a lot of work to ensure that you can continue doing it. And so hopefully the people that you're working with are really appreciating it. You know, I our practice takes insurance too. I know that people really want to be able to use insurance to access services, but it is extra work and it is extra money. And Extra headaches too, as you're finding. So, but we really appreciate you coming and sharing about this very unique situation that you've encountered. I know you're like, you know, the outcome isn't that exciting, but it's real. It's a real experience and other people will be able to relate in some ways. They're taking insurance also. So if people do want to connect with you, One, you have a very unique background that you're offering. Um, I know there are a lot of practices interested in people who are providing holistic offerings at their their practice, and you certainly are. So if people want to reach out to you, how can they find you? They can go to my website. It's mytherapeuticservices.com, and that's M as in Mary, A-A-T as in Tom, therapeuticservices.com, and they can fill out a request for... um, services. I'm also hiring if there are clinicians out there who are interested in working with this um, specific population or who have a holistic background, who are interested in learning more about it, reach out to me. Great. Excellent. Well, thank you again for coming on. We appreciate it. Um, to echo what Melissa just said in closing, you know, I think something hearing stories like this is important because if you're a practice that takes insurance, there's going to be hiccups that are going to come up and you're going to have to figure it out or you're not going to get paid. You know, it also is, can be, depending on what happens, it can also trigger an insurance audit on the reverse end of things sometimes. Right. Um, not necessarily in your case, but, you know, in other cases where there's issues with insurance. So I think this is a really important topic. And I'm glad you were able to share it with us because there very well may be people out there who are saying, oh man, I'm having issues with insurance. How do I handle this? And the answer, I think, is exactly as you laid it out. You, know, you got to be persistent. You can't, you know, allow someone to say no to you and that be the end of it. If, if right. there's an insurance issue, you got to get it resolved. And it's sometimes it's going to take you, the, the person, the owner of the practice to be persistent doing it. So this yeah. has been really great. And I, I appreciate you coming. And I hope our listeners, everyone listening, found this as interesting as we did. Just as a reminder, as we're wrapping up today, we do want to remind everyone that just like we had you on today, we would love to hear from other people who have stories to tell as well. And if you're someone out there listening and you have a story to tell, we do want to hear from you. So please reach out to us. You can go to our website. You can go to our Facebook page. We have a brief form to fill out. I know you filled it out. Uh, yeah. It wasn't that complicated, right? Uh, Not at all. <laughs> and so all you do is you fill it out, submit it, and we'll be in touch with you to follow up. Um, and if we think it's a story that people want to hear, we may have you on. So please do that. Um, other than thank you again for joining us, everyone, and listening. And we'll talk to you soon and uh, see you on the next episode. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Protecting Your Practice podcast. Be sure to visit protectingyourpractice.com to connect with us, continue the conversation, and access additional information. As a reminder, the information on this podcast does not constitute legal advice. Listeners should contact their own attorney or paid consultant for all decisions regarding their own practice.